Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Dew, and if you were with us this past episode, then you know that we are going through what we are calling the character of God, who is God. We're looking at the attributes of God because it's important that we understand who God is, and to understand who God is, we must know what his word says about him. So last week, we looked at what is known as the self-existence of God. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, you can always go back into the archives and check out that episode of the self-existence of God, also known as the aseity of God. Uh, That was a great time together. Hopefully you were edified by that. But today we're going to be looking at another characteristic of God, and we're going to be looking at the spirituality of God. Now, what do you think about if somebody were to tell you, give me what you think God looks like? Now, we've seen a lot of people try to explain what they think God looks like. We've seen movies try to explain what God looks like. Uh, You might think of a big, strong man with long white hair and a big white beard, or some people even say they see God in the sunset, right? I don't know about that. Uh, Some even said that they picture God as something like Morgan Freeman in the movie Bruce Almighty, is just in a white suit, good-looking man, older man, and uh, just with a big, booming voice. So... Many people think that God looks like a man just like you and I. However, the truth is, as we get into who God is, we have to understand what the Bible says about it, and we'll get into a few scriptures here in a few minutes, but we have to understand that God is a spirit. We're talking about God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. He is a spirit. This is what we call the spirituality of God, not the physicality of God, but the spirituality of God because he is a spirit and not like us as physical people, physical men and women. So we know by reading the word and studying and understanding the word, and this again is what I want you to understand on a, on a, a very easy to understand basis, is that God is immaterial. This means he's, he has no physical body, because he is a spirit, he's invisible, he can't be seen, and he's infinite, which means he is limitless and not bound by anything. So when we think about God the Father, many of us think of him seated, seating, seating on his throne, and uh, we think about him looking like a big white bearded man with uh, maybe a crown on his head or something. So if we get into the Word and we start looking at these things, then we have to understand that God the Father is a spirit. Now, we'll talk about Jesus here in just a few minutes, the second person of the Trinity, but we're going to focus on God the Father right now. If you were to look in your Bible at John chapter 4, verse 24, we see the words, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Many of us know that this comes from the conversation of the woman with the woman at the well, Uh, there in John chapter 4, but that verse 24 tells us a lot that God, the Father, God is spirit. So let's look at these things just briefly when we talk about God being immaterial, invisible, and infinite. So the first thing we have to think of is God being immaterial, which means that God does not have a physical body. He doesn't have a physical body like you and I, and this means that he doesn't have a height. I'm 6'5", so 
God is not even my height. Um, many of you may be six foot. My wife is five four. So we don't have a height associated with who God is. We don't have a weight. I weigh 270. God doesn't have a scale that he can step on because he's not a physical person. He is, uh, we see eyes and, and, and arms and legs all throughout the scriptures, and we're about to talk about that in just a second, but God the Father, the spirituality of God does not allow for him to have physical eyes, arms, or legs. However, you may be confused, but let me help you out. We see these scriptures all throughout the Bible that mention body parts when referring to God. Let me give you some examples. Exodus chapter 7, verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. We see the word hand there. Psalm eighty-nine, ten: you crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. So here we see an arm. We have a hand, we have an arm. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Now we have a hand, arm, eyes, ears in the mix. 2 Kings nineteen sixteen. incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words. So we have eyes and ears again. Isaiah 66, 1 says, thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? Here we have feet being involved in these things when we're hearing about the description of who God is. However, this doesn't mean that he has these physical body parts. The use of physical body parts to describe God are called anthropomorphic expressions. Now, these are just figures of speech that help us understand who God is because we all have eyes, we all have ears, we all have arms, we have hands, we have feet, uh, we have toes, we have all of these things on our body parts, and we can understand things about God by him bringing things that we do understand into the scriptures. For instance, when we talk about his mighty arm, his hands, his eyes, we can associate these things with God because we know that he's always looking, he's always hearing, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient. Uh, we can th think about how mighty and powerful uh, someone's arm is and being able to do things that others can't. And we can think about that in relation to God's mighty arm to save and even God's mighty arm in judgment. We can think about these things because we can relate to these things because we have these things. So we have to understand that although we see these physical things in the scriptures, they are just used for us to help us understand more about who God is. So we'll get into some of that later on in other episodes, but for now, let's move on because remember we were going to keep these short to about 15 to 20 minutes to not kind of overload you with information. The second thing is that we need to understand is that God is invisible. So he is immaterial, and now he is invisible. This is why 2 Corinthians 5 says, for we five seven says, excuse me, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So we don't see God the Father because he again is not physical. He's in the heavens and he is a spiritual. God. This is the spirituality we see. We see the spirit and not a physical God. And John 1.18 teaches us that no one has ever seen God. Colossians 1.15 then says of Jesus that he, being Jesus, is the invisible image of God. But then 1 Timothy 6.16 says no one has ever seen him 
or can see him. And then we look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that we see God by his invisible attributes. So we see that invisibility again. But that Colossians verse, 115, he is the image of, of the invisible. Jesus has made visible the invisible. So when we think about Jesus coming on the scene, this is not God the Father coming to this earth. However, God was fully pleased to dwell in Jesus. So the incarnation of Christ is really unique as he makes the invisible visible. So although we can't see God, we see God in the flesh in the form of Jesus. And although Jesus has come and gone and he's, he is resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father right now, we can't physically see Jesus now because he is gone from this earth after he resurrected and stayed here for a little while longer and then went back into heaven until he comes back again. But when we do see Jesus in eternity, when he does come back, we will see God in the flesh Jesus is the God-man, but he's the second person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus makes visible what is invisible. However, that first person of the Trinity, God the Father, is invisible, and we cannot see him. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So we see this Jesus has been made known who is seated at the Father's side, Uh, verse 2 tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Father has revealed himself to us through Christ, although, again, Christ is at the right hand of God right now. We cannot see him. However, the Father is invisible, but has made visible what is invisible through his Son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. So although Jesus is a bodily form, and he is truly God and truly man, he is the second person of the Trinity, and God the Father is the first person of the Trinity, and he is still immaterial, invisible, and now we get to infinite. This is a great way for us to understand who God is because it means that God is not limited by boundaries. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. He's not limited by a physical body. All of the things which we are limited by We are limited by these things, time, space, physical bodies. We only have limits that we can reach and we can't go any further. God, the Father in his spiritual state, is outside of all limits. There is nothing that holds him back. There is nothing that constrains him. He is free from a schedule. He's free from time constraints. He's free from all of these things. And this is a beautiful thing about God the Father. No matter where we are, the fullness of God is there as well. So if we were to go back to John chapter 4 and verse 24 with the Samaritan woman there at the well, we see that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the fact that we see God's spirituality as him being immaterial, invisible, and infinite should do really one thing. It should drive us to worship him. Everything about God should cause us to worship. Why? Because he's holy, he's awesome, he's majestic. He is so different than we are. Although we are bound by these things, he is not. He is outside of time. One day is not like a day to us. One year is not like a year to God. As a matter of fact, I believe the scriptures teach that one year is like a thousand years. So we even see in the way we are bound by time, God is outside of that, and it is completely different for a holy and perfect God. 
we will never figure this out completely. I want to start to close by telling you that some of this may sound really strange to some of you, but some of you may already be tracking. You may already be on the level and understand these things, that God truly is immaterial. Uh, He is invisible. He is infinite. And the beautiful thing about this is we are not And we will never fully understand God on this side of eternity, but we should spend time studying who he is, what he's done, and what the Bible says about him. We worship this God, although we cannot see him. This God dwelled bodily in Jesus. He has no beginning, no end. We talked about that last week. He's not bound by a physical body or time like we are. We behold this wondrous mystery. How many of you have heard that song, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery? Our God is a great and wondrous, magnificent mystery that we will never figure out on this side of eternity. So while we're here on this side of eternity, before judgment, as we live our life on this earth, we should respond to this great and awesome God by worshiping him, By a bold proclamation of the gospel, we should proclaim the gospel wherever we go. We we should worship him by understanding who we are and who he is. He is much different than we are. We should understand his majesty and understand the weight of our sin and depravity. We don't worship by these outward expressions either. Like We can get into this as, yes, it's okay to raise your hands. Yes, it's okay to have an outward expression as long as it comes from the inward expression contrite spirit within us when we realize who God is and who we are. Worship happens on the inside before it's ever external. We worship this great and mighty God through obedience to his word. We worship through prayer. We worship through singing and preaching and listening to the preached word, through giving and being in communion with the saints. We have fellowship with each other when we have fellowship with God. And it is important that we have fellowship with God through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, so we can have fellowship with God, and then we have fellowship with others, and we worship God by being in sweet fellowship with the brothers and sisters in our churches, and not just our local churches, but the universal church as well. So one of the things that I want to leave you with is asking you, just a few questions to think through as we think about the spirituality of God as God as a whole and how to worship this great and holy God. Question is, do you study the word of God? Do you listen carefully when the word is preached? Did you attend a church where they preach the Bible? Do you ask how the word applies to your life? Do you gather with the saints on the Lord's day? Is that important to you? Do you desire that? Do you actively seek to obey his word? And do you desire to give God glory in all things? We'll never understand the depths and riches of our great God, but we could spend and should spend our lifetime searching them out. The greatness of God and the knowledge that we have of him should absolutely drive us to worship because we live by faith, not by sight, and we trust the goodness of God by knowing who he is. And I pray that you know this God of the Bible. That is the spirituality of God in a nutshell, a very small nutshell. We tried to throw a lot of information in just 15 to 20 minutes. So I hope that that helps you understand a little bit about God and another characteristic of him or an attribute of who he is. So that is self-existence down. We've got uh, the spirituality of God 
And listen, as always, if you have any questions, if you want to ask further questions, if you want to know deeper level of the spirituality of God or any of these attributes, feel free to email the Doctrine Matters Podcast at doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can respond to Facebook posts. You can uh, respond on Twitter. You can uh, respond on Instagram if that's where you are uh, on your social media platforms. But as always, please feel free to do so because I want you to understand who God is because it is important for us as believers and even as unbelievers to hear about what God says about himself through the word. So next week or the next episode, which may be on Thursday or Friday of this week, we'll just see how things go. We're going to look at the sovereignty of God. We're going to look at this and discuss the fact that God rules and reigns in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases, according to Psalm chapter 115, verse 3. So I'm looking forward to that. Hope you are too, as we study the character of God and put God on full display next week as we look at his sovereignty. Hope you guys have a great day, and God bless. God bless.